Yeah, hallelujah. Let's clap our hands as we're returning towards our seats. Hallelujah. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn open to the book of Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, we're beginning in verse number 12. I'm thankful for all of the wonderful help uh, that is going on in this back room to help our Sunday school kids, amen, have a, a great Thanksgiving meal, and uh, and for all those that have sacrificed to make or to donate towards uh, this uh, event, you will be blessed, and, and you are a blessing, amen. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 12, the Bible says, and as he entered into a certain village... There met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go, show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, where, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine that are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger? And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, Thy faith hath made thee whole. Thy faith hath made thee whole. I love this, this, this passage of Scripture. The Bible says that one turned back. And I want to preach to us for a few moments on this subject. The miracle is in the memory. The miracle is in the memory. Would you set down your Bibles? And lift up your hands and let's pray all across this building. Hallelujah. Come on. Why don't you let your memory go back over your life and think about how good God's been to you for just a moment. And somebody begin to glorify him. Somebody begin to praise him. Hallelujah. On this Sunday afternoon, God, we've come with the express purpose and intention to give you glory and to give you praise and to give you honor. Hallelujah. We glorify you today in Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands to the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. God bless you. You may be seated. Hallelujah. The miracle is in the memory. Our text here today tells us that there were ten lepers outside of the city that stood afar off. To fully understand this position that the lepers were holding, we've got to take a moment and talk about leprosy itself. Leprosy is a terrible disease that litters the pages of the Bible. This is a concept that if you are not familiar with the Bible, you may not know a whole lot about because leprosy has almost but all been extinguished. 
There are only a few leper colonies left in the world. And one of the last leper colonies that are or that was left in the world, I don't know if it's still there, was actually in Louisiana, Brother Dixon. That must be a sign. I don't know. No, I'm kidding. I always give him a hard time about Louisiana. I spent a long time out there. Hallelujah. But there are entire laws throughout the Old Testament that explain how to deal with leprosy because it was not as it is today where you maybe never heard of it, but it was rampant. It was consistent. These lepers were outcasts of society. They were not allowed to have contact with anybody. They could only have proximity and closeness with people that were lepers just like them. They were not allowed to have closeness or proximity to people like Jesus. They were not allowed to come close to their family or to their friends. If you were a leper, you were to be excluded. You were to be pushed out of society because leprosy was contagious. Leviticus 13 and 45 in the ESV tells us that the leprous person who has the disease should wear torn clothes to signify that they are a leper. They should let the hair of their head hang loose. They shall cover their upper lip and they should cry out everywhere they go, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. Can I tell you that leprosy in the Bible was so rampant that God saw it fit in the, in the first five books of the Bible to create entire chapters of law regarding this disease. It's so contagious that the Bible will tell us that leprosy is something that's so contagious it doesn't just affect people, but it will begin to get into clothes. It begins to get into the walls of a house or it can get into a person. Can I just preach to us for a few moments that leprosy is a type of sin in the Bible. And God saw it fit to talk about this natural disease uh, so extensively to let us know something uh, about the sin nature. That it is not something, amen, that it should be played with or should be hung out with. Uh, the nature of sin is that you can let it, it can affect you, uh, amen, based on if you have contact uh, with it. Uh, can I tell somebody that, that leprosy or sin, uh, amen, can be represented, amen, in our culture. It can be represented in the things that we hang out with, the things that we watch, the things that we wear, the places that we go. I wish I had somebody to help me preach here today. I've come to tell you that sin affects everybody that it comes in contact with. Lift up your hands and let's pray for just a moment. Hallelujah. There are people that in our, in our world that say, well, I can, I can indulge in this, and I can go there, and I can act like this, I can look like that, and it will not affect me. But can I tell you, you can't live in a leprous house, amen, without the leprosy eventually getting on you. That's why we got to keep our houses, amen, full of the Holy Ghost. We got to keep our houses full of the Word of God. We got to keep our homes and our kids and our families full of prayer and full of God's Word. Somebody say hallelujah. 
Our lifestyle, amen, can affect us, amen. But this disease, it would get into homes, it would get into clothes, it was... It was so rampant that they would have rituals of how to expel it. If it got in your home, you had to actually take these stones of, of, of your house and you had to cut out the part that was infected. And you, you couldn't just, amen, take some Clorox and wash it. You couldn't just clean it up. But the answer to leprosy was you got to take it out of your house. You got to take it out of the city. You got to cast it into the city dump. And you got you to let it go and you got to leave it alone. If leprosy got in your clothes, you didn't just throw them in the dish or throw them in the washer or in the dryer, but you took those garments outside the city. I hope you're seeing a representation here. You got to take it out of the city and you got to throw it out. And if leprosy got into an individual, they were treated the exact same way. You couldn't have them around you. You couldn't keep them in your home. You couldn't hang around with them. I want to just tell somebody here today, who you hang out with really does affect you. Hallelujah. The people that you hang out with really does affect you. Amen. And that is not, amen, a plea for us to go and become isolated. No, I, I want to I set it straight that when you're full of the Holy Ghost, you're the one doing the affecting. Hallelujah. When you're an apostolic Christian, you're the one doing the affecting. Uh, you're the one that can reach them. Hallelujah. But this, this disease, leprosy, has a lot, of, uh, a lot of ideologies on it. Some people, uh, they, they've probably been taught or uh, they've, been, they've been explained to that leprosy is a disease that causes your limbs to fall off. But I want to tell you here today, as sensational as that sounds and awesome as that sounds, that is not the case. Leprosy does not physically destroy the body itself. Many have believed that it's just going to uh, come on you and, and you're going to see direct representations as your legs fall off and your fingers fall off. But that's not the case. It was, it was believed for so long that leprosy destroyed the flesh. But leprosy, as they've discovered, does not destroy the flesh. Leprosy does one simple thing. It destroys the nervous system so that a leper can't feel anymore. And because this leper can no longer feel pain, he lacks the reaction necessary for survival. Our nerves allow us to feel when we are overdoing things. It lets you know uh, for those, uh, amen, that, that, that as you get a little older, it lets you know that you've stretched uh, a little too far. There is a signal that hits your brain that screams, stop, you've gone too far. It is that signal that you that you try to get in your kid, amen. When you tell them, they you see them going too close to, amen, the stove, and you scream, "Stop! It's going to be hot." But the greatest way for them to learn is really to touch it and realize it's hot. But the leper does not have that reaction. They don't know that that's hot. They could cut themselves, and unless they see themselves bleeding or they see themselves blistering or something happening they don't really know that they've hurt themselves. They can break their leg, twist their ankle, go too far, and they will continue to walk on that limb. And what happens is because they don't know the severity of their injury, they will continue in it. Can I preach to somebody? This is a typology of sin. People don't know 
the severity of their condition and how badly it is affecting them. That's why people, they will, they will go to the bar even though their marriage is falling apart. They will, they will go, amen, they will go to the casinos even though they know that they are already losing their home. What is it? I'll tell you what it is. They have become desensitized and they don't realize they've already overdone it and now they are continuing in this condition. And then infection gets in. And that's where people got the idea that you lose limbs. Gangrene would take over. And, and ultimately leprosy stops you from feeling what you were created to feel. And I've got to tell somebody here today that there are people even here today that if we're not, if we're not careful... Amen. We will allow this to get inside of us. Amen. And we will become desensitized to the moving of God's Spirit. There are people that will not have the right response to God moving and to God's spirit. Amen. And, and, and we don't ever want to allow ourselves to become spiritual lepers. We've always got to have that ability that when God's moving, we can feel his moving. Somebody glorify him here today. People in this building might say, well, I just don't feel it like I used to. That might actually be a greater signification of what you're going through. Amen. If you are in that position, I just don't feel it like I used to. I want to help you here today that we've got to go to this place where we can get our leprosy taken care of. We've got to go to Jesus where we can get our healing, where we can get our feeling back. Somebody magnify him all across this building. <laughs> Hallelujah. you got to imagine these people were ostracized. They were outcasts. They couldn't come in proximity of another individual because of their condition. The only people that they could hang out with were people that were as busted as them. And I know that's how our world is. Uh, amen. That they say birds of a feather flock together. And, and, and it's not that people are inherently evil. It's that they feel most comfortable. Amen. Surrounding themselves with people that are just as dysfunctional as they are. And these people, they've now out of the city. They're standing afar off. Everywhere they go, they've got these ripped, torn garments. So when people see them, they know, keep your distance. It's a leper. They, they have this, they have their, their hair is all ragged. And they, people know, amen, stay away because we understand the law of those people are lepers. And just in case you got too close, it was their responsibility to scream, unclean, unclean, unclean. It was a war. Warning uh, that what came out of their mouth was, uh, don't get near me. Uh, I'm dirty. Uh, I'm filthy. I'm contagious. So you got to imagine what's going through their head when they see Jesus start to come in. They have seen Jesus do something. I don't know what it is, but they obviously had some level of understanding. I don't know if they heard about Jesus, but they, they regardless of their condition, they might have been unclean. They might have been decaying. They might have been desensitized individuals, but they had good eyesight, and they had good hearing, and they had brains that worked. And when they saw Jesus coming by, the Bible says that they began to 
scream out and cry out, Jesus, have mercy on us. Can I preach to somebody? You might be in the worst condition of your life, but when Jesus passes by, you got to open up your mouth and say, Jesus, don't forget about me. Oh, somebody lift up your voice and magnify him. The Bible says that they begin to cry out because they heard somewhere that Jesus could change them. Jesus could heal them. There's a reason that you walked into this house here today. I want to tell you, it's because somewhere along the lines you heard that Jesus was the answer, that Jesus was the only one that could change your condition. And I've come to tell you, the bar couldn't fix it. The club can't fix it. There's no high... The only one that works is Jesus. The only one that satisfies and cleanses is Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus did something fascinating with lepers. He came over to them. Jesus, you don't understand how messed up I am. And there's people here today. Jesus, just keep your distance. I'm really a bad case and I'm a bad scenario. But Jesus comes near these lepers because Jesus is not scared of leprosy. Jesus is not scared of your condition. He's not scared of the scars. He's not scared of the open wounds because you've hurt yourself. Jesus is coming to where you are. When Jesus dealt with lepers... The Bible would let us know in one case that Jesus would touch a leper. Wait, Jesus, you, you, you're not allowed to touch a leper. Uh, you, you're not allowed to do that. Uh, they're so filthy. You could get, you could get uh, sick. There could, you could get leprosy, Jesus. Uh, but Jesus understood, uh, I've got enough power on the inside of me uh, that when I touch you, I'm not going to become a leper. Uh, you're no longer going to be a leper. Come on, I've come to tell somebody, you came to church today and Jesus came to lay his hand on you and whatever's on you is about to come. It's about to come off you. It doesn't matter how dirty, doesn't matter how filthy, doesn't matter how much has afflicted your life. When Jesus lays his hand on you, it's got to go. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. But there Jesus began to... Deal with these lepers. And I want you to notice how he dealt with lepers. Unlike blind people where he'd, he'd, he'd do different scenarios. Every leper that I find in, in the New Testament, Jesus dealt with them just about the same way. He did not just wave his hand over their life and say, it's fixed and you're cleansed. Though he might have laid hands on one, though he might have spoke a word over another, there was something Jesus told them to do to be cleansed. He told them that they've got to go and show themselves to the priest. Every leper in the New Testament had to show themselves to the priest. And the question is why? I'll tell you why. Jesus understood the word of God because Jesus was the word of God. And it clearly states that you must go and show yourself to the priest. And it is the priest's job to declare you clean and fit to re-enter into society. Can I tell you that if you're going to be cleansed, if you're going to be washed, if you're going to be forgiven, Jesus will never override his own word. You still 
got to go, amen, the biblical route of repenting of your sins, being baptized by immersion in water in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Ghost, evidence in speaking in other tongues. You want to know how to be saved? You got to go to Acts 2. You want to know how to get leprosy out of your life? Go to Acts 8, Acts 10, Acts 19. You got to die, be buried, and rise again in Jesus' name. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Come on, for just a few moments. He doesn't override his word. He doesn't just wave his hand over your life. You still got to obey God's word. You still got to go and repent of your sins at an altar. You still got to be buried in water. And then you'll receive the Holy Ghost, God's spirit indwelling you. He does not override his word. God is not going to change. Somebody would say, well, you know, I just, you know, there's a lot of people want to be cleansed their way. And I could preach about Naaman. Are not the waters where I come from better, the waters of Damascus? And, and, the, and, the, and, and then the servant of the prophet told him, no, you don't wash any way you want to wash. I'm going to tell you, when people are riddled with leprosy all the way from the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's almost this ideology that you can do any old thing and get cleansed. But there's this constant reminder that the only way you're going to be cleansed is if you obey the Word of God, if you walk in obedience to God's Word. And the Bible says that they still had to show themselves to the priests to enter into Jewish society. I want to tell you, you don't show yourself to your family to find out if you're clean. You don't show yourself to your spouse to find out if you're clean. You don't show yourself, amen, to your drinking buddies to find out if you're clean. You got to go to the house of God. You got to go to the... For those that would say, well, I can be clean and not go to church, I got news for you. Jesus said, if you want to be cleansed and declared clean, you got to go to the house of God. you got to go to church. Can I preach to you? Praise God, you're in church. You want to walk out clean, you're in church. I wish somebody would praise him. They had to still go show themselves to the priest, declare so he could declare them clean. Your declaration of cleanliness does not come from what the world says is clean. Well, you're a better person. Good has never been good enough. Because our goodness and our righteousness, the Bible says, are dirty, filthy rags. It's leprosy. It's not. That's why we've got to have the blood of Jesus Christ on our life. That when my righteousness could not do it, he imputed his righteousness. He clothed me in righteousness when I was not clean enough and I was not good enough even at my best. That while I was a sinner, the Bible says, Christ died for me. Can I preach to every individual? You can't be cleansed without the power of the blood of Jesus. That, that priest in the Old Testament would take blood and oil and they would sprinkle it. They would wash the individual. It still takes the blood and it still takes the flow of God's spirit on your life. Amen. To go from being an unclean leper to a functioning member of God's people. 
They had to walk in obedience after Jesus told them, go show yourself to the priests. They had to walk in obedience even though seemingly nothing had changed. There's people that would say, well, I tried going to church once and nothing changed. I went to the altar that one time and nothing changed. Can I tell you, it's not always in the one step or the second step, or the third step. I can't tell you how many steps it's going to take. Well, it's a 12-step program. No, honey, it might take you three. It might take you one. It might take all the steps it takes to get to the altar. I don't know at what step God's going to completely cleanse you, but I can tell you, if you keep walking with God and walking in obedience, you will be saved. You will be cleansed. Somebody magnify him. Clap your hands and give God praise. Somebody say, I'm going to walk in obedience. I'm going to walk in faith. I'm going to walk in obedience. I'm going to follow God. It is there. They begin to walk and nothing's happening, but they still walk in faith. And they still walk in obedience. God, when are you going to set me free of this? God, when are you going to deliver me of that? God, when am I finally going to get cleansed of this or that? Amen. And they kept walking in faith. And the Bible says that as they went, as they walked in obedience, as they walked in faith, As they walked in the process of the time they were obeying Jesus, as they went, they were cleansed. Well, preacher, it just hasn't happened yet. As they went. Well, I just haven't seen these prayers answered. As they went. Well, I'm about to give up. No, 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 no. As they went. I'm about ready to go back to Jesus and complain because I'm not seeing what he promised as they went. Can I encourage somebody here today? you got to put one foot in front of another and keep on going. Somebody lift up your hands and magnify him. Come on for just a few moments. Come on for just a few moments. Lift up your voice and pray. There's some folks that as you go, as you come to this altar today, as you leave this service, as you walk with God, you're going to be changed. You're going to be cleansed. You're going to be absolutely changed by God's presence. But as I study this scripture, and as I look over this through the years, I think to myself, how does a leper know that they are cleansed? The Bible says they did see something. I don't know if they saw that all of a sudden the the scabs that the Bible does say that leprosy has, I don't know if those begin to disappear and now the speckled and spotting of their skin begin to change. I don't know exactly what they saw in that moment, but they looked at one another and they could see something changing. But when I think about what leprosy is and how ultimately it stops somebody's ability to feel, I begin to think to myself, maybe, just maybe, that as they went, there was something that caused them to begin to look at one another. There was something in that walk of going forward in God's word that they began to notice something they've not noticed for a long time. I have to think to myself that when you're cleansed as a leper, that it doesn't just 
clean you and make you look like you have uh, skin like a baby like it did to Naaman. Uh, but I begin to think when God heals of leprosy, uh, he doesn't just do it just a little bit, uh, but he does it all the way. Uh, something began to change and transform, uh, and they began to get their feeling back. Uh, their nervous system began to work again. Uh, and I don't know what it was. Maybe uh, as they were going, they'd been walking barefoot for a long time because uh, I can't feel it anyways. And they, they've been going through all these things, and I can just imagine to myself uh, that they walked, uh, and one of them stubbed their toe on a rock, uh, and they felt uh, a little bit of pain. And uh, something happened. They put their foot down, and as they went, uh, the sand got a little hotter. And, uh, oh, I felt that. And, and they begin to move a little bit differently uh, than they had uh, as lepers. Can I tell you, something begins to change, not just in the way you look, but when you're cleansed, something begins to change in the way you respond to life around you. I don't know exactly what told them they were cleansed. Could have been when they looked at each other. Or I can assume that it was their ability to feel again. But regardless, as they went, they were cleansed, but only one remembered Jesus. Would you lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on, there's some folks that you are on your journey. You are walking in faith and obedience as best as you can. Maybe you have just come to church today and you've only taken one step in faith. Maybe you've been coming to church for 30, 40 years and you've taken more steps than we can count and it just doesn't seem like it's all the way. But I've come to tell you, we've got to remember Jesus regardless of how many steps we've taken. We've got to have our memory working about the one that is producing the healing and producing the cleansing. Somebody pray. It was this man's memory that caused him to turn and to begin to go back to where Jesus was. I don't know what sparked his memory. I don't know if it was necessarily just the fact that he looked and saw that he was cleansed and something rose up on the inside. Or if it was the fact that he felt pain, can I help somebody? Sometimes discomfort in life is the only thing that can cause us to remember. Pain is one of the most, amen, it's one of the best ways to keep something lodged in your memory. I don't exactly know if it was pain or if he could finally feel joy and excitement. I don't know what feeling it was, but I can tell you it was a feeling that rose up in the heart of this man. And he began to turn around and think, I can't just stay where I I am. I, I can't just I can't just keep walking away. Something is happening to me. Something is changing me. I've got to go back and talk with Jesus. I gotta go back and begin to tell him thank you. I gotta go back and begin to glorify him. I can I tell you that when you begin to get healed, you begin to get delivered. Don't ever forget the one that has cleansed you. Don't ever forget the one that has healed you. Somebody lift up your voice. Let's stand all across the building. Come on, somebody lift up your voice and let's pray.
Come on. Don't ever forget the one that changed your life. Don't ever forget the one that has put your family back together. Don't ever forget the one that has washed all your sins away. His name is Jesus. Oh, somebody pray for just a moment. Come on, somebody pray for just a moment. Does anybody remember where you were when God found you? Does anybody remember where you were and the condition you were in when God found you? I know you're a few steps down the road and things are a little bit better and you're a little cleaner than you were when God found you. But does anybody have a memory of the one that spoke your cleanliness? Does anybody have a remembrance of the one that has spoke a word over your life that would change you forever? This man turned around. And listen, we know how to cry out. We know how to cry out when we're in desperation. You better believe it. When you're hurting and broken, you know how to hit your knees and cry out to Jesus. But with the same passion of needing God's assistance. This leper turned around and said, Jesus, thank you. What are you so excited about? What are you crying about, shouting about? What, what is all that exuberance and emotion? I don't understand it. You've got a car now. You've got a life together now. You're married now. Everything's well now. You're cleansed and you're on your way to really get what God has for you. And, and what is all that excitement? I'll tell you what it is. You don't know like I know where I was when he found me. begin to cry out, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And it brought him all the way back to the feet of Jesus. And they got down on his knees, a man who was not allowed to come in contact with Jesus. Wasn't allowed to be, wasn't allowed to be handled or touched. And he began to touch the feet of Jesus and say, thank you, Jesus. And Jesus said something The one that came back, he was a Samaritan, a stranger, a foreigner. You know what the real story is? Samaritans don't have priests. And somewhere this man remembered, I don't have a priest. I don't have a church. I don't have a religion. I don't have anything to show myself to. And it caused him to stop where he was, turn around and say, well, I don't have a priest, so I might as well make Jesus my priest. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. And Jesus said, I don't know where the nine are. But I can tell you what's going to happen to the one that comes back and says thank you. I don't know where the nine that have come to church, been baptized, full of the Holy Ghost, and then got blessed and left. I don't know where they are. But I can tell you where all the group that's in church here today is. They're at the feet of Jesus saying thank you. Thank you. And the Bible says your faith has made you whole. He got a miracle the nine others didn't get. That word is sozo 
which means saved. It means freed. It means delivered. It means liberated. It, it denotes that while the others walked away, there was, a, there was a cleansing on the outward appearance and on the skin and maybe even to the nervous system. But it is letting us know that something happened inside of this man's heart, inside of this man. He said, now I'm going to cleanse you, and it's going to go beyond skin deep. Lift up your hands and let's pray. There are miracles in your memory. There are miracles in your memory, church. When we let that memory produce gratitude, there are miracles. There is wholeness. There is redemption. There is salvation. There is liberation. Lift up your hands and let's pray. I don't just want to be clean, Jesus. I don't want to just be clean. I want to be whole. I want to be whole. I want my inward man to be absolutely transformed by the power of Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I remember coming to church. I've said my story. I won't go into it. 13 years old, suicidal, depressed, had put a knife to my wrist, and I came to the house of God thinking I, I don't even know why I went to church. But I remember I went to the altar, and nobody, there were some people lay hands on me, but that wasn't it. Jesus began to deal with me. And all that depression and all of that he began to remove that. All the leprosy on my life, he began to remove that. And that's a powerful part of the story. But I kept going back to Jesus' feet and saying thank you. And I never allowed myself to forget where I come from. In every service, I'd hit that altar with my face in the altar, and I'd be crying. And I'll tell you what God started doing. He said, I'm not just going to cleanse you. He started repairing things on the inside. There are people today, God has cleaned you up. You look real cute. You look nice. You look good in church. But I'm telling you, when you remember what God has done for you, it unlocks a miracle of what God is going to do for you. And he starts repairing the whole man. I want to encourage somebody here today to make their way to the front of this altar. But I don't want you to come alone. I want you to come with a memory of what God has done for you. Well, preacher, this is my first service. Did, did, is there a car wreck in your life you should have died in? Is there somewhere you know you should have you should have not made it? But you know it was divine providence. And God has started working on you all the way back then. I want you to bring that miracle, that memory. I want you to bring, bring that, but don't bring it uh, just to think about it. Uh, I want you to bring it and begin to be grateful and say thank you, Jesus.
Come on, if you remember where you were when God found you, broken, homeless, depressed, suicidal, on drugs, come on, addicted, all sorts of stuff, I want to encourage you to come to this altar and say thank you, Jesus, and let the miracle flow. Come on, there's miracles in your memory, church. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't want to be the nine that are just clean. I want to be whole. Come on, there's miracles in this house. There are miracles in this house, but it starts with a thank you, Jesus. It starts with the remembrance of what God's already done. Thank you for every miracle. Thank you for every altar call. Thank you for all that you've done in the years prior. But God, I need more.
and say thank you Jesus it makes me want to shout God come on look back on your life God's been good to you God's been good to you just say thank you Jesus Somebody lift up your hands all across this building. Come on, the miracle that stemmed from a man remembering to say thank you to Jesus. Come on, all future miracles are predicated on our ability to be grateful for the previous miracles. I know that maybe you're going through a hard time right now. Maybe you're struggling to adjust. But if you can look back on your life and say thank you and have gratefulness roll out of your mouth for what he has done, you're opening up a possibility of future miracles. Somebody say thank you, Jesus, in your heart. Somebody let gratitude... Somebody love Jesus all across this building. Somebody just love your God. Come on. You don't know like I know, and I don't know like you know what Jesus has done. But we can all have a spirit of gratitude that says, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we are so grateful for all that you have done. And God, before we go on and proceed in our lives asking for you to do more, I want to have an attitude and a spirit of gratefulness for everything you have done. Not one of us deserves the life that we've been given. Not one of us deserves the blessings and the favor, the love that we have received. And for that, we are so grateful. We who at one time were strangers, foreigners, outcasts, separated from God, have been made nigh by the blood of Jesus. And for that, God, this old ex-leper, God, I want to say thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Pray, Jesus, that you would go with each and every individual this week. That as those that are traveling, God, that you would protect them. 
and bring them back safely to the house of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Shake hands. Be friendly.